0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the m M&M m Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Episode 126 today. Um, maybe a little more than that, to be honest. I'm trying to think. This is 126 on our main feed, but we had a couple on uh, just the last one of sports feed. So Roundup, maybe it's closer to 130. We'll go with 126. Uh, Chase,
1: how's it going today? Oh, not too bad. As good as you can be in lockdown. How about you?
0: Yeah, uh, about the same Uh, for anyone who's not listening in Ontario. Ontario is basically back in another lockdown. I think it's a limit of five inside for social gatherings, which basically means no social gatherings if you have a family of four or more. Um, So that's been a lot of fun. But uh, the good news is we have some news to talk about the NHL, and it's not all COVID-related, although that is still clearly having quite an impact on – on everything right now, but there's some returns, a couple signings that we can talk about and uh, not as great topic to be honest. And I don't know. Do we want to get the, the more depressed? I don't know how to use the right word, but the not as fun stuff out of the way first with the Vander Kane here.
1: Yeah. I might as well start with it.
0: All right. Um, I was hoping to kind of avoid this. We haven't had to talk about it too, too much, but uh, it's just kind of unavoidable at this time. So Evander Kane uh, is whole contract was terminated with the uh, uh, San Jose Sharks after he, quote, unquote, violated AHL protocols. So uh, the the rumor is that he tested positive on the 22nd, I believe, 21st of December, uh, and then flew to Vancouver on the 29th. Uh, The termination notice from San Jose alleged he did not have proper medical clearance to fly, and that was enough to cut his contract. Uh, if you talk to anyone, it kind of sounds like they were just looking for the first thing of him truly messing up so they could cut his contract because uh, there's been quite a few things, obviously, that um, have been bad, uh, to, to put it lightly, with the Evander Kane. Um, it's, he's had a restraining order from his ex-wife four criminal charges, $1.5 million in gambling debt, and uh, faked his vaccine card earlier this year. Um, so take your pick of those, of what's the worst, the criminal charges is probably uh, the, the worst of them. But um, yeah, so we got, you got cut from the, the, the sharks and uh, Already there's multiple teams in on him. It kind of sounds like the Oilers are the front runner. Uh, as of right now, the last update we got is that he's probably going to have to delay signing a, a contract just because the league is investigating uh, you know, whether his uh, contract termination with the, the Sharks was justified or not. The NHLPA filed a grievance against the team, which uh, is what the NHLPA is unfortunately there to do. They seem to side with the pe- person that uh, no one really wants to side with more of the time. Which is unfortunate to see. But uh, yeah, I don't really, I don't even really know where to go with this other than it's um, the biggest takeaway for me actually here, Chase. Is not, I mean, I don't know about you. I wasn't really surprised when his contract got terminated. I was surprised some of the stuff earlier didn't actually get it terminated. But the most shocking thing to me is we, teams are just not even pretending to care anymore. Like, yeah, (laughs) it it wasn't even three days and teams were lining up to try and sign this dude, trying to say they're doing their due diligence or whatever. It's like we're like very fresh off this guy. Having like criminal charges accused against him, let alone everything his teammates have said about the dude just being a dick. And usually it's like six to eight months and then teams will be like. Oh, uh, we'll go back after it. In this case, it is just very much no. We're gonna do this right now because we need the help.
1: Yeah, and it's so sc- like how many stupid decisions people are like. Wow, well, you nerds can't uh, quantify that this guy's good or bad in the room or whatever, and that's why we did something clearly ridiculous. Only for like you knew Evander Kane was gonna get signed basically as quickly as he wanted to, with. And probably have his pick of the litter on where he wants to go because he he puts the black thing in between the red thing as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, by the sounds of it, there's like five teams that are in on it. So, and yeah. like I, I was listening to TSN yesterday or today too, and they were talking about uh, Chris Johnson was on there, which still seems kind of weird for me to say, but uh, he was on TSN radio and yeah, he was like... If I, you know, I would bet there are probably going to be teams that might have to offer him a second or third year this summer if they want to sign him. And it's like, what on earth are we even doing here? Yeah. And it just kind of goes to show anyone who wants to talk about cancel culture, quote unquote, in hockey. It's like, no, shut up, stop. Like,
1: yeah, there are like, there are no consequences as long as you do the uh, as long as you are good at the sport.
0: Yeah, uh, like. Here's one that's even worse to me, too. Um, do you remember the Mitchell Miller, the uh, Arizona Coyotes draft pick who bullied a a, um, a kid in, I guess it was public school, high school, who was uh, uh, disabled as well. Like it literally like the almost sex, like the one story was they took a, something and put in the yurtle and made him eat it. Like just disgusting stories. He took a year off from hockey. He's back playing in the development league. He started it with the Tri-City Storm in the USHL.
1: Yep. And there's like uh God, what's his name? The more recent MLU.
0: He's yeah. playing in the OHL again. Yep. Just and then like both like uh Mitchell Miller was leading the USHL in points. Um now I don't know if a team will actually sign him. Uh, I don't think he was really good enough to like he was a fringe player, anyways. But again, that's the difference, is like there would absolutely be an oh if if mitchell miller was as good as logan you at hockey he would be playing on an OHL team right now and that's the only difference
1: oh absolutely <laughs> so what a sport we cheer for
0: yeah it's just uh really disappointing all around um i don't know so we'll see like the vander kane stuff i'm glad to see that teams at least have to wait and Like they can go, you know, like while this investigation goes on the way, hopefully the investigation just takes the whole year. That'd be nice to see. I don't want to see him in hockey and whoever, whatever team signs him, I hope that they uh, um, see nothing but failure when it comes to the playoffs. Cause you know, it's going to be a playoff team signing him too. The whole narrative coming from now on will be sign with a good team, try and rebuild your uh, reputation as a good teammate slash winner in the playoffs and and go from there.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you we all know exactly how this story was going to end the second that happened.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't really have much more to talk about on that. Um, let's get to a better return. There's a couple couple returns. I got three names here. We'll start with the actual signing. Then we've got two guys come back from injuries. That's really exciting. Um, Tuka Rask signs a one year deal with the Boston Bruins, one million dollar cap hit. I think he actually earns only 500K. Clearly not about the money, uh, not about the. You know, he doesn't need the money. He's made a ton of it in his career. This is just helping and going to make a, trying to make a cup run. Um, 34-year-old goalie. I think he was a 9-13 in 24 games last year. Uh, had a bit of a down year last year, but he was playing through a hip injury, which he got surgery for and is now theoretically fully recovered. So it'll be interesting to see if he's that 9-13 goalie was last year, close to the nine twenty goalie he was over the previous four, three, four years before that, right? So um, if if he's back to full health or even close to like what he's been for the majority of the past, like seven, eight years, that is a massive, massive
1: boost for the Boston Bruins. That'd be huge because they've been like a dominant XG team. Like the Boston Bruins have been underratedly good at five on five and stuff this year. It's just that their goaltending has been horrible. So if they get good Tuka, they could sneakily be like, plausibly the best team in this division in their division for at least a period of time.
0: Yeah. And even with this Tuca contract, they're still uh, have some cap space to work at the deadline. The projected deadline cap space is $7.7 million. So like they could easily add another piece or two up front because I would say the other thing, you know, with Tuca here, the other thing they need is, I mean, they're going to be one of those guys that are probably in on a top four defenseman, but I would still argue they probably need the classic Boston thing of a guy who can put the puck in the net. Like they have Taylor Hall. They probably could use another guy yet too for the down the lineup there.
1: Yeah. Depth scoring classic Boston problem. Yeah, exactly. Like how this is
0: here, how many of them looking for a top six winger to try and support the depth. And I don't know if he's top six, but you know, Phil Kessel's a name that I keep circling back for them. That would be a really interesting fit for them. Um, They feel like a team That is just destined to go out and spend like a first on uh, Ben Sherrod this year. I don't know what team it's going to be, but although maybe they feel good enough with their defense, I think like right now they only have four defensive on their active roster. I don't know what's going on. It must be some COVID stuff, but McAvoy, Carlo, Grizz, Mike Riley, I don't think we would say that's the greatest top four, but I think they probably feel pretty good about it. So maybe they won't be looking for a top four.
1: Yeah, because if you assume Brandon Carlo's good, which if the Bruins do for some reason, then their decor actually looks, there's a reason to be really confident in it. Just because you shouldn't be confident that Brandon Carlo's good is the problem. Yeah, if
0: Brandon Carlo was the number two people seem to think he is, this would be a fine decor. You have McAvoy, who is a top three defenseman and the top five defenseman in the league if you had Carlo, who's like in that 32 to 50 range, Mike Riley, I think is in that kind of same range, maybe closer to 40 or 50 than he is 30, but, and then Matt Grislich's a not fine number four as well. So you actually would have a solid top four, but I think Brandon Carlo's closer to a four than he is a two.
1: Oh, hundred percent. You might even be closer to like a six than he is a two.
0: Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, I, I brought up Ben Schrott's name there. Like, It seems, Destin, he's going for minimum a first-round pick, um, and that just seems insane to me. That's going to be
1: awesome. Is, yeah. This year's Nick Felino, and I'm happy to know the Leafs aren't going to be the team that fucking does it this time.
0: Yeah, like it reminds me a lot of like David Savard last year, except no one really expected David Savard to get a first. This one, it's like the starting ask is like a first and a
1: prospect yeah, like going in, you know, it's going to be a first plus, probably not just,
0: uh, yeah, not just a first round pick, right. And a first round pick would just be an like just a brutal use of the first round pick. So, um, but yeah, for, for Boston, I mean, uh, again, I, I think this is, uh, it was something that most people thought could happen, but we weren't sure, you know, it all depends on how rehab and stuff went for, for Tuka's hip, but, uh, Uh, you know, they got a long way and there's still a bunch of games left. Uh, you know, obviously it's, you can't really go off of just points. You gotta be going off of, I really wish the NHL would just switch to points percentage, especially in a season like this, where the Panthers and the lightning currently have six more games played than the Bruins. So, you know, the Bruins look quite a ways back in the standings because they're, and they're 13 points. Like I'm not saying the Bruins are going to catch the lightning, but thirteen points could look a lot different if you win you know four of your next six games. Suddenly you're down to a five point spread, and that is much
1: more doable. Yeah, the differentials are really annoying, eh
0: Yes, it is I, incredibly.
1: Has Boston not been a team with like far fewer games played than everyone else multiple times in the past few years too?
0: Uh, I can never remember. I always know that there has been like the Leafs and Boston would always be like six games apart, but one way or the other, and I never understood why.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's happened a bunch of times.
0: But Boston started behind the eight ball just without COVID this year. Like, for some reason, they had, like, three... I want to say they had, like, three games in two weeks to start the year.
1: Just for no real reason?
0: Yeah. Like, I had not... I mean, that I could figure out, because there was no cancellations until a couple... You know, about a month ago. But, But, yeah, like, I'm pretty sure, like, even a month into the season, they were, like, three games behind everyone. Yeah, that's because for the longest time they were behind the Detroit Red Wings, but Detroit had like four or five more games played than them.
1: Yeah, I forgot about that. The Red Wings were in the playoffs for a ridiculously long time. Even
0: right now, they're they're still ninth. They're 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 ninth in the East right now by points because they're but they're three points behind Boston, but have five games more played.
1: Oh yeah. So they're they're very they're trick yourself into thinking you're closer than you are in, but your Detroit, yeah, so. but,
0: yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Boston's got, you know, they're, they're at 40 points in 32 games in their division. The Leafs are at 49 and 34. Uh, the Lightning are at 53 and 38 and the Panthers are at 53 and 36. So uh, there's quite a big gap to make. It, it seems more than likely they will make the playoffs as the four seed in their division. Um, so then they'll just come down to what wild card they are because right now the Pens are in the first wild card with 47 points in 35 games played, uh, but they're two points behind the Capitals, who have 49 and 37, and uh, the Rangers have 50 and 37. The Hurricanes have 50 points in 33 games, which is uh, just as impressive as the least record there. So uh, and the Hurricanes are eight one and one in the last ten. The Penguins are nine and one in their last ten. They have been on a roll. Um, but so is Boston, too. So it, it kind of looks like the playoffs are already locked in in the East. Like, I uh, I don't know about you, but I don't see any of Detroit, Columbus, Philly, the Devils, the Islanders coming back. And then it's Buffalo, Ottawa, Montreal, ground out that uh, bottom three. It kind of feels like we are, are seeing the eight teams in the playoffs right now. And there's not
1: going to be any change here. Yeah, it was always like, because the Atlantic we knew was sending four and almost certainly no one else. And then it was like the Metro had the potential to be super interesting, but it's been the opposite. So therefore the entire East is just boring as hell.
0: Yeah. I would say Philly hit the low end of their variance and has some injury, you know, had some bad injury luck. The Islanders are, you know, even I think after the past three years, even the most pessimistic person on the Islanders probably thought they would be hanging around the playoff race, not 14 points out of it.
1: Yeah. Now, granted, well, like, the That'd Islanders have 28
0: means, games to played too, right? But
1: Yeah, but they've been horrible still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, the they're under
0: 500 points.
1: Yeah, negative 16 goal differential and stuff. Because the Islanders being good means there's at least nine playoff quality teams in the East. The Islanders yeah. being bad and the Flyers sucking, which we didn't know was going to be true. Now that, yeah, there's just, just eight playoff quality teams and no one else is particularly close.
0: Exactly. And, and, you know, I don't think it was unrealistic to expect the, the Islanders to be good and Philly to be near the bubble. Like I, I expected Philly to be more what um, Detroit is now, maybe a little better than that, but like probably four or five points out of it by the end of the year. But hanging around, you know, if they the cool, if they get hot, they can get in or whatever, but they don't really make it. That's kind of what I expected. Philly, they have 33 points in 35 games. They are also under 500 in the points percentage.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yes. Yeah. Very bad. And like, um, I mean, everyone in the East has, though, that's not a playoff team. Like, Detroit is 37 and 37. They're exactly 500 points percentage. Then Columbus is 33 and 34. Philly's 33 and 35. 33 and 36 for the Devils. 26 and 28 for the Islanders. 26 and 35 for Buffalo. 20 and 29 for Ottawa. And 18 and 34 games for Montreal. Just atrocious. But like, to have what's that, eight teams that are below, at or below 500 in points percentage in the NHL in the same conference seems pretty unheard of, like, just because of how much the loser point boosts these teams up, usually.
1: Yeah, 100%. You're definitely seeing the, um, the, just like the haves and have-nots completely.
0: And, and it's not like the booster, uh, the, the loser point hasn't been there this year. Philly has seven overtime losses, New Jersey five, the Islanders six, the Sabres six, even the Canadians four, the Red Wings five. So it's not like the loser point has just been evaporated this year or anything like that. It's uh, it's very much been there. And these teams are still below a 500 point pace like that.
1: The Sabres are eight points ahead of the Canadians.
0: Yeah. Like, the Cana- I don't think the, the Arizona Coyotes are uh, ahead of points percentage of the Canadians right now.
1: What a, what an impressive team.
0: Is it like it's, and like, I might so my dad's a has fan. He hasn't been watching much recently, but even as recently as like, no. And, but even as recently as like a month, he would, a month ago he would turn some of the games on and I'm going to be looking at the roster while they're playing. Like who the f- are half these players? My dad would be like, yeah, every night I turn the TV on, there's three more guys, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, I have literally, like, it is, I, and I told him, I was like, it is pretty impressive when there's a, especially an Eastern Canadian team that is calling up multiple guys a week that I have never, ever, ever heard of before.
1: Yeah, like when hardcore fans have no clue who's who you're icing and you yeah. thought you were going to be maybe good this year, that's a tough sign.
0: Yeah, and as of today, the, the Canadians are actually, Very slightly ahead of the uh, coyotes in points percentage, but uh, not by a lot. Hmm. But um, yeah, so I, man, it's, uh, it's bad. It's, it's really bad. Um, But, and then over in the West, uh, it's a much closer race, but that's because most of the teams suck. The San Jose sharks are technically in a playoff spot right now. Now not by points percentage. They have 41 points in 37 games. The Calgary Flames have 40 points in 33 games. So, okay. and also for some reason, ESPN is listing San Jose twice on there. Once in the Pacific playoffs and once in the wild card. And I'm not really sure why that is. Probably. Yeah, but I think they're missing a team. My math is right oh now i'm trying to think you through this division who they who they would be missing guess anaheim san jose and then the walkers they have minnesota and san jose and then they have calgary edmonton winnipeg dallas vancouver chicago seattle arizona what on earth um but anyway it, it's my point is it's closer in the west but it's a thrilling race because it's who can suck harder yes yeah. <laughs> like yeah it's uh okay so yeah okay the, the team that espn's missing is the kings the kings are technically in third right now in the pacific and San Jose's in a long term spot uh, the kings have 41 points in 36 games so uh, both the oilers and flames are probably going to be right there it's kind of looking more and more like the possibility of the pacific sending five teams
1: this year that'd be insane that would be better, one of the more like, pitiful things to have ever happened.
0: Yes. Um, now, the, the Jets, are they have 37 points in 33 games, which just barely puts them out of a wild card, I think. The wild card's 41 and 37. So, again, two wins out of those four games that they have to make up, and suddenly they are in a wild card as well. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's pretty sad. And here's an even more crazy one. Who's, who's leading the Central right now? In points,
1: it can't be the Avs, then, if you're asking, probably St. Louis.
0: The Nashville Predators, with an 8 1 and 1 last 10, have 50 points in 37 games. Uh, the Avs have 47 and 33. So, again, like it's by points percentage, I think the Avs would be winning. Um, but the, the the Predators are like 24 11 and 2 is way better than I would have assumed this team was going to be.
1: Yeah, that's kind of nuts, actually. When did that happen? I guess they've
0: just been killing it over the past month or so because they are 10 or sorry, eight, one and one, the last
1: 10, they've won five in a row. Clicked on UC Soros cap friendly to see a nine save percentage found how that happened.
0: Yeah, that, that seems about right. Um, so yeah, it's interesting, but speaking of one of the, uh, another return and we'll talk about one of the teams in that pathetic Pacific division, Jack Eichel is skating for the uh, Vegas golden Knights here. It's probably still going to be a couple of weeks before he gets back. But even the fact that he might be back before the trade deadline or anything like it, you know, early February is kind of a, a return date. They might have only played like 43, 44 like They might have half their season left still and, or, you know, just under half the season. And that is a lot of leeway for Jack Eichel to get up and running and ready for the playoffs.
1: Yeah. That could get gross. Good for Jack and, Eichel.
0: Yeah this is so this is another thing I just saw on the radio how stupid does buffalo look now making the fuss that they did about the surgery
1: hmm. and the fact that he's back already yeah
0: he, he is back and so again this is another cj thing on overdrive i think yesterday was he was saying he was out of the hospital within a day of like on the same day he got the surgery uh he was having like lunch with his parents in the, in uh Denver I think where he had the surgery like the next day um, he was skating a week and a half after he had the surgery now no pads or anything like that but just gliding around the ice He's taking a couple shots which
1: skating is insane,
0: insane, insane considering his neck surgery right um And already since he's had it, uh, Tyler Johnson in Chicago had it uh, right after he got it. So it's already he's saying "Eh, this might be a trend. Now people are seeing it's supposed to be better long term. It's supposed to actually help you short term. And it's supposed to be a shorter turnaround time. So it's like Buffalo could be looking real dumb about just not letting him get this surgery at the beginning of the year. So he could have came back healthy either with them to build up his trade value even more or teams would know that he's healthy and they can trade for
1: us, which is going to be really interesting. Yeah, that is. Oh, Buffalo. they just can't <laughs> win anything, eh? No. And, and
0: I, I always, I don't know, like, I, I thought it was weird the fuss they were making at the time because it's not like this is a brand new surgery. Players in other sports, by all accounts, have had the surgery and been fine. It was just NHL doctors that considered it a little more risky. It's like, I guess, but like, if if other, like, especially like contact sports have been using this, it can't be like, there's definitely bigger risks that you have taken, probably as a team, right?
1: Oh, I would think so. Like, obviously, we're not doctors, but I feel like if people are doing it in other contact sports, that's not like an unreasonable assumption. Like, yeah. there's no reason to me why a football player, like, if this surgery is fine for a football player, it's not fine for a hockey player or whatever, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. um I did get a laugh at Lee like, when the trade was made and the trade away Tuck who is injured and I don't think they gave away anything else on their NHL roster. People were still legitimately asking they're like, oh like can the Golden Knights <laughs> even hold on to a playoff spot? It's like yeah no this division sucks. Um <laughs> they'll be they'll be okay and sure enough uh Eichel's looking like he might return with them having like a six-point lead on the division uh title so
1: yeah like just an absolute cakewalk for them
0: <laughs> it's Kind of incredible how bad this division really is. Um, And speaking of which, let's, let's get to another team that's struggling in the division and that would be the Edmonton Oilers who are two, six and two and lost five in a row. McDavid went into COVID protocols, but even before that, they were struggling with him on the ice. Uh, Koskinen is just leaking oil right now. I think I saw a stat where they had let up the first goal in 23 of their last 25 games. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> so they're like they're basically just starting a down one nothing in every game, and then Costin came out and in the Finnish newspaper, he was like, "Yeah, I've got to be better." But at the same time, I think over my last seven losses, we've scored nine goals. I can't score goals. Uh, I saw so, that
1: quote. I love yeah. like the European quotes from players. They're always so good.
0: Yeah, just letting rip, and it's just like, yeah. I mean, the the best thing about this is this is what. Everyone saw coming at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Like, everyone's like, how could this happen? Especially I mean, the, the worst part about it is the start they had. They got, you know, they were top, they, they, they were tied for the President's Trophy like 20 games in, and all the stupid Edmonton media that loves licking the boots of the ownership over there and just praising whatever that fucking team does, no matter how stupid it is, goes, see, all the offseason moves are great. Duncan Keith is great. Kobe Cece's good. Zach Hyman's point per game. Like you stupid stats nerds who are saying this was gonna be dumb. It's it, you you can't say this team is bad. They're they're for sure good. And it's like, we're 25, 20 games in. Like, what are you talking about? And sure enough, this slide goes on. And for the ninth year in a row, they go, Oh, well, they need depth scoring. And you know, some of the guys they brought in It just it's not working out. It's like, yeah, I could. He told you that Tyler Benson and Colton Sevoir aren't going to be guys that are pushing your deck forward.
1: I love Edmonton. I would watch like a 30, I would probably watch a full one hour documentary on like how the media coverage of the Edmonton Oilers got so positive relative to how horrific the management is.
0: Yeah. Like, was it like this back in like 2012? I wonder.
1: I think that's why Dello was so notorious, because Dello was kept, like, Tyler Dello was originally the one being, like, using Corsi, Rel, and stuff to be like, yeah, these guys are fucking idiots, and that's why all the people in the mainstream media really hated Tyler Dello, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, I guess, like like if this there's no bigger joke that the edmonton media it's not even close like people like to complain about toronto media toronto's got a big media and so when you have that many media members yes there are going to be some idiots uh steve simmons michael tracos you know dumbasses there is like two guys who are even somewhat respectable at edmonton media and even even then sometimes like um, I'm trying to think what the one, Jonathan Willis. I, I enjoy his work a lot at the Athletic, but even sometimes he comes out with like a super optimistic take on the Zach Hyman signing. And it's just like. randomly show you the team. Yeah, it's like, I, I guess you can't be negative 100% of the time, but like, yeah, man, like, what? Because th- th- here's the thing they go, well, yeah, somehow Ken Holland has to figure out how to get some depth scoring on this team. If only the dude had like $12 million in cap space this summer to go address that. Instead, he went and spent 5.5 on 29-year-old Zach Hyman, who instead of running his own third line like we saw him do at times in Toronto, is playing shotgun to McDavid and just keeping him equally as good, if not maybe like like just – he's not improving McDavid's game because McDavid's game doesn't need to be improved. And then he went and spent the other, he spent 5.5 million on Duncan Keith and another 3.25 on Kobe CC while also giving Tyson Berry a raise to 4.5 million. It's like, like, I just right there in that sentence, I just described what, $20 million you could use to go and actually get some like good second line players to play on your third line.
1: Yeah. Which shouldn't be that difficult. No, like go find a Tyler Tafoli contract. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tyler Tafoli contract.
0: And and we're like,
1: oh man, like I I just I don't get it. And it's like if you
0: and because the biggest problem is too, it's like they need depth scoring. It's like, no, they at the very least they just need their depth to not just bleed goals while they're on the ice. Like if um the Oilers would have done, you know, because here's the thing, you know, well, how hard could it be? Uh the Leafs' third line looks pretty damn good right now. And two of those guys, they brought in for $1.5 and $1.25 million this offseason in David Camp and Andre Cache. That's not a line. And I believe they have Kerfoot on that line, too, if I'm not mistaken. That is yep. not a line that goes out and scores a ton of goals. They chip in here and there. But their main thing is they just shut opponents down and don't let anything up on the, while they're on the ice. And then the top six is so skilled, they win games that way. That could be that should be Edmonton's exact model. And Toronto has that entire line for five, four, six, six point two five million dollars for three players. And they spent almost all that on Zach Hyman,
1: who they're not even using in that role. I just it's just an impressive team. You know what my favorite part is about Edmonton? Getting yeah. into like football like obviously i pay most attention to the patriots so you see a lot of appeal to authority by the new england media whenever belichick like doesn't go for it on fourth down and like appeal to authority is a logical fallacy but it actually it's plausible at least when you're talking about certain people like bill belichick like this oilers management has accomplished nothing (laughs) they've been horrible and no matter who's in there it goes horribly and there's, it's still the same like appeal to authorities i love it yeah like it's just I, I really don't get like ken holland
0: he won the the detroit won the cup in what 2008
1: yeah with most of the stuff he did was pre salary cap.
0: yeah exactly yeah like he, he built a he had a couple cups from pre-salary cap when he was allowed to spend quadruple the amount of the average team and like 20 million more than the next, the second most team, kept most of those guys, which, like, some of it's credit, sure, but then kept most of those guys, got a cup, and then went to a final in 09. And then since 09, the team has just been withering away because of moves he's made.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Since Datsuk and uh, Lidstrom have been gone, he is basically shown to be one of the worst GMs in the entire NHL. Like, I'm sure he did some brilliant things. Just looking at how many good players the Red Wings had, I don't really know the history that well. But I'm sure he did something pretty awesome uh, way back when. But, like, it's 2022. Like, we're 10 years from when that Detroit playoff streak ended, and he's just been nothing but horrible since. Yeah, well, and, like, even the awesome things he did was taking advantage
0: of scouting the European leagues a little more to find a dad to find a Zetterberg. Yeah and credit to you but again like in 2022 you're not gonna that can't be enough and like that's not even what people seem to praise him
1: for yeah like hey swedish people don't suck isn't good enough to be a good nhl gm now
0: yeah and 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 like and then you we're not even done like criticizing the structure of the team everyone in the hockey media went, ooh, you're really running it back with Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. Mike Smith, by the way, who's 39 years old, and they gave a two-year deal to.
1: Yep, you love to see it.
0: <laughs> what the fuck? Who are you competing against that you needed to sign 40-year-old Mike Smith to another year? And he's, by the way, he's 39. He turns 40 in March. So he will be 40 for the majority of that contract next year and 41 by the time it ends.
1: Oh yeah. It's got the over 35 thing too. So you can't even do anything with the contract either. No, you can't buy it out.
0: Yes. Like, and the the worst part about this all is there were signs that, you know, he did some okay things. Like I thought bringing in like Tyler Ennis, uh, the one off season. And, you know, uh, a couple guys like that were just like very cheap depth signings. I was like, fine, you're you're pretty um you're pretty handcuffed from what you can do with this cap space. But for three years, everyone went, yeah, this uh, this past offseason, this is the offseason where he can really make his moves. He can't judge most of what he can what he's done up to this point, even though he gave up two seconds for see you and let him walk, gave him a fourth for Mike Green, who ended up playing <laughs> one game for him. Um through with other yeah, exactly. Like, and, and again, like some of that is just unfortunate that Mike Green didn't want to go to the bubble or whatever. But at the same time, it's like you're just burning draft picks on a team that's not very good. Uh, they don't have their third this year. They don't have their fourth this year. Uh, and everyone keeps going, no, no, it's okay. Like this is like the offseason where he's really going to be making his moves. He's got he's finally got the money he can splash around and go help this team. What's he do? He goes and spends a bunch on Zach Hyman, who, again, good player, but doesn't improve the top six, and that is where they're playing him. Uh, doesn't improve it enough to be justify spending five point five million dollars, I should say. Um, goes and trades for Duncan Keith, the washed up courts of Duncan Keith. Goes and signs Cody Cc to a four year deal worth three point two five per. Uh, trades
1: over four years. years. Fuck, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I knew they signed him for multiple. I didn't realize it was almost half a decade. Gives 30-year-old Tyson
0: Berry a three-year deal at 4.5, which, again, everyone praised. Signs Darnell Nurse to an 8 by 9.25. And, again, everyone praised these moves in the local media because they're like, look at how great they did last year. It's like, no, they just played 90% of their five-on-five minutes with Connor McDavid early on dry
1: Yeah, they got... They got one of the best individual seasons in the history of the sport and didn't even come within spitting distance of winning the division, like at any they, point. No.
0: Like they were what the third best? They did they finish third and then got swept in the first round?
1: I think they did come second, but like the least yeah, were just did, so w- clearly
0: Winnipeg was really trying to lose too to end that. So yeah. I think they did come. Yeah, I think you're right. But like like, dude, like, this is – and you you know what the worst part is? They're not going to fire Holland. Oh, no,
1: God. Damn you can't hire fire a good hockey man like that. Don't like, until, it, until it, you miss the playoffs multiple years in a row with Conor Buck it, and McDavid. It's it
0: literally getting to the point where I wonder
1: when McDavid is going to be like, get me the hell out of here. One of him or Sido. Like, would have to do it at some point if they keep missing the playoffs, right?
0: If they miss this year or miss this year and next year, or even I will go as far as don't make it past the first round in either of the next two years. One of them is definitely requesting a trade in that 2023 offseason, right?
1: I hope. Imagine how fun Twitter would be if one of these guys requested a trade. I don't even know what the trade would look like. But like, probably horrible. Probably look something like the Eichel deal as your benchmark. Yeah, like would, obviously, but you would
0: definitely—they would definitely have to be taking sh- like a money back that the team probably wants to get rid of because you can't fit twelve point five million dollars under anyone's salary cap, that even if it is the great. Like people will make it work to get Connor McDavid, but like, but a McDavid or Dreisaitl deal probably has to start with two first-round picks and a top prospect,
1: right? Yeah. You then, ideally are giving up like four firsts or you have like a game-breaking prospect.
0: Yeah. But the thing is, if if they wait, like if it's in two years from now that he requests, Dryside will only have two years left on his deal and McDavid's going to have three. So you can't, can't really say you're locking these guys down for term. Now with a player that good, it might not matter, but
1: yeah yeah when they're that good i assume you're fine with whatever happens but still just pathetic just like, there's a chance that Connor mcdavid already played his best hockey same and like leon dry is currently playing his best hockey not just a chance especially with dry it's more likely than not and yet yeah, yeah. they're gonna getting nothing out of it
0: no like not even a little like sid even for as much as we joke about Taves and Kane, like I think they're the prime example of why you should be wanting to win cups right now. They won three before they were 20, 25 and haven't really sniffed one since.
1: Yeah. They haven't even been close since.
0: No. Yeah, like, said, like The
1: penguins were huge failures with no depth, but they still went to like the conference finals a bunch and like second rounds, at least game sevens kind of things. Yeah. And
0: I don't know. Like, like McDavid and dryside are so good that it, it wouldn't shock me if they age like Malkin and Crosby, where they're in well into their 30s and they are still very, very, very good. But it's like the fact that you haven't even come close to taking advantage of how good this team is. It's just so and and it's not like you've just choked in playoffs. Like it's not like this is an Ovi situation where the team is dominant every year and just can't get over that second round hump. The team doesn't even like. We weren't even sure if the team is going to make playoffs heading into each year. It's like that should not be possible with these two guys.
1: No, you could well because your default. What was that thing that uh, Chris was saying? It's like you try to get ten war, whatever that was. It was a bigger number than ten, but whatever the number is, like Connor McDavid and Leon Dryside will get you like halfway to that threshold. Yeah, like make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and. And, and the, the gross, like, the, it's not like they make that. They make a combined $20 million. Like, they make one fifth of the salary cap.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're plenty here in work. This McDavid's probably the most underpaid player in, the, well, rookie contracts exist, but like McDavid's grossly underpaid too.
0: Yeah. Same with Dry too. Like, and yeah. especially over the past year or two, where Dry like actually become, you know, more, more worth it than I think he was maybe three years ago when yeah, it was really just. Yeah. And now that he's kind of playing center on his own line, you know, he makes $8.5 million and put, it's like on pace for like 140 points or whatever. And and you can't it's win just
1: with this team. Like, wasted.
0: I'm legitimately angry. And I did not think I was going to get angry uh, tonight. I,
1: I don't know why, but I hate Edmonton. So I think it's because of the media just endlessly shilling for them that i thoroughly enjoy watching them fail miserably
0: yeah exactly like i don't especially now that when, uh, paul Maurice, like i paul marie seems like a good enough guy but i just never understood the love for him but now that he's out of winnipeg i want to see winnipeg turn it around i don't mind the players there you know i don't really i know three jets fans through twitter shout out brady
1: yeah <laughs> Brady. But, too. i know
0: like so it's not like I have any, same with like Vancouver. Like I don't have any ill will to that team or city or fan base or anything like that. But it's like, yeah, Edmonton's I'm just like,
1: oh my Jill. God. Y'all know a fun fact. I've, I haven't talked to Jill about this. So you know how Jill works at like KW hospital. Yeah. Paul Maurice's brother works there. So Jill and Jill really likes him. Apparently a super nice guy. So Jill is a huge Jets fan. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, she always um, asks, me you him, and I always have to bite my tongue to be like, yeah. She's like, oh, does, is he like a really good coach? It's like, I don't really <laughs> want to tell you that he's the fucking most horrible right now. He's the
0: most winningness, I think, or whatever it was. Yeah. Also the most losses, but yeah, no. It, I mean, he does seem like a good actual guy. Anytime he's been on the radio, he's been, he's one of the few guys where it's actually kind of enjoyable to listen to him talk because he actually says something but
1: he has a personality um, yeah yeah
0: i think it was just fair to say he is definitely he yeah, would say he's welcome in winnipeg but um uh yeah like i getting like just the media is just so insufferable and it's it's so like it's all of them too and every year we do the same thing where it's like oh this is their year they get off to a hot 20 start uh, 20 games because mcdavid and dryside are playing out of their minds and they get okay goaltending and Everyone's like, Yeah, this is their year. See, and then as soon as teams just don't let McDavid and Dryside score six more, like even if they limit to them, can go mine four points a game for the guy, like those two, it's still not enough for Edmonton to win because their depth is that bad or their goaltending is that bad. Yep,
1: <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> nothing else functions at all. No, and, and like that should be illegal for me to say. It was funny too, because like at least the Penguins, like they, all, he was hurt a bunch, but you always had like the Tang. So even Crosby and had like one of the best defensemen in the league to fall back on. Like there's yeah. just yeah, and
0: like I get, like with the Penguins, it was like the biggest problem was definitely their bottom six, but they had like you know Chris Kunitz wasn't a great player or anything, but Chris Kunitz and Patrick Hornquist and you know they had James Neal at one point. Like those guys were all like good players. the NHL players
1: Simon ever was.
0: Yeah, like, they're they're actually, like, good NHL players in their peak. And it was the problem was they didn't have the depth for when it got around to playoff time. But they made the playoffs. no? Like, there was never, as as, as far as I know, unless, like, Crosby and Malcolm were out for an extended period of time. But there was really no year where you were, like, heading into the year, I don't know if the Pens are going to make the playoffs this year. It was always, oh, yeah, the Pens will make it. But are they going to make it past the second round,
1: which was just kind of, like, the standard for them? Yeah, exactly. Their, their choking was getting knocked out in round two or whatever because everybody thought you have Crosby and Malkin, you should win the Cup, kind of thing. Yeah. So, Not, hey, are they going to miss the playoffs in the worst division in the sport?
0: Yeah, or, like, are they going to sneak into the second wild card spot and then lose in six games to the Colorado Avalanche or whatever, the Vegas Golden Knights. It's just like, oh, like, it hurts me to talk about this. But, um. Let's stick in this division. One more thing that I don't really want to talk about too much, but uh, the LA Kings hired Mark Bergevin, which was everyone kind of thought. Yeah. And but and then they also extended uh, um, Rob Blake, like their GM. So Bergevin is just, I think Bergevin is just going to be uh, a hand to the GM and just kind of advise him on stuff, I guess which I was surprised by, to be honest. Like, I thought, um, I don't know about you, but I, I just kind of thought, you know, the rumor was always that Bergevin wanted to go to the Kings. But people were kind of like, well, Bert, is Bergevin going to take Blake's job? But it's not like Blake's done a bad job. In fact, I'd say he's done a pretty good job since taking over. So I was a little surprised yeah. to see it happen and extend Rob Blake as well. But it's definitely, I, I would say, an insurance policy for the ownership there.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe he's happy to... Uh... Take a reduced role. I don't know how old he is, but he's got to be like sixty, I would think. I think he's late fifties. Yeah,
0: he is yeah. fifty-six.
1: Oh, so he's still pretty young, especially for a GM. Actually,
0: but I mean, at the same time, like he did just spend what twelve years in one of the most aggressive media markets in the world, being the GM of yeah the Montreal Canadiens. So I could see him wanting to take a step back living in la just kind of getting paid to advise a gm for a couple years probably isn't the worst gig and then if that gm in two or three years time and just kind of overstays his welcome hey you are right there to take over if ownership wants it so yeah i I can't really blame him i guess um more i want to talk about but
1: go ahead oh i was just gonna say i'm sure there's worse things than being a millionaire who nobody knows in la
0: yeah, um, I more wanted to talk about Rob Blake's extension mostly because I don't care for Mark Bergevin at all. He, um, routinely in Montreal showed he does not care about ethics or anything like that, whether it was drafting Logan Malyu. Um, you know, he was one of the guys, I think they were one of the teams that were looking into Slavovoynov, wanted to sign Tony D'Angelo, all that good stuff. Um, so I don't really care for Mark Bergevin. Rob Blake is an interesting one that I wanted to more just talking about. You know, what are your thoughts on the job he's done in L.A.? I'm trying to just pull up when he was actually hired. I think it was three or four years ago now.
1: Uh, general manager. Um,
0: yeah, 2017.
1: Yeah, so four, five four or five years ago. But yeah. yeah,
0: um, You know, uh, 2017, they were kind of. Oh, I'm trying to think. That would have been yeah, so 2017 the off season. The next year they would have made the playoffs and got swept by Vegas in a, in a, a playoff series in that 2018 playoff series. They just they looked cooked. I don't know if I've ever seen a throating, excuse me, a throning of the end of the dynasty quite like that one because Vegas had
1: them watch. Oh,
0: Vegas just skated them into the ground. Jonathan Quick, that was the year that Jonathan Quick, I think, had a 940 save percentage in the playoffs and didn't win a single game. (laughs) He
1: got swept. I forgot (laughs) it was.
0: (laughs) Like, how tough is that? I'm trying to – I'm pulling up his numbers right now. It was a 921, so it wasn't quite – as, but still, a 921, Mm -hmm. and he didn't win a single game. That's sad. Um, but uh, yeah, like, so when they when he took over, they were clearly um, looking like they were going to have to start a bit of a, a rebuild retool. And uh, I would argue they're clearly starting to come out of it now. This is kind of their step forward year, And then I think next year they're legitimately going to want to start competing for a playoff spot. Um,
1: I don't know. If million... accidentally.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just with how bad the Pacific is, they could very well get in this year. They really need to step forward for a guy like Alex Turcotte and, um, Quentin Byfield as well, who Byfield's injured already. Uh, obviously, this year, I think for them to really have uh, a cup-contending core in the next like four or five years, um, yeah, they
1: they need to hit huge on one's prospects and ideally two of them.
0: Yes, but I I like I like the t- the job he's done building the team. Generally speaking.
1: Yeah, he's been, like, quietly just – because when he took over, they were in cap hell, like – and they're not not really in that anymore. The Dowdy contract is miserable, but we always talk about how movable that would be if the time ever came to it. Outside of that, like, they're in a much better cap situation, everything, than they kind of deserve to be. They have a prospect pool that I don't know a ton about, but smart people freaking love, so I'm going to trust them there. Yeah, they're, they seem like a competent organization.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, obviously I just mentioned Turcotte and Byfield. Uh, Arthur Kaliev is also only 20 years old um, and, you know, could be a guy that they look to take, a, a guy who takes a step um, as well. Uh, and then they have, um, why am I blanking on his name uh, right now? Brent Clark. Who got like oh, with yeah. uh team Hannah? He's 18 years old, so there's their big prospect on the blue line. Um, so you know, they, they definitely have some pieces, and yeah, people seem to really, really like their pool. Um, you know, now granted everyone loved the Rangers pool and see how far that got them. So it's not like it's a, a guarantee or anything, but I think he's done a pretty good job. You know, as you said, they have uh, um, you know, not much, they don't have much cap space right now, but Dustin Brown's 5.85 is coming off the books this year uh which will help with um i mean they don't even really have any big extensions michael anderson on the blue line i guess but i don't think he'll be requiring the bag or anything like that and uh, jonathan quick's 5.8 comes off next year too and then uh already even you have three or this year and two more left in that 10 mil in the copatar deal too so they you're gonna have money to work with with um you know when their guys come uh you know come up for extension here too and that is the biggest thing in a rebuild is can you keep your guys and pay them and possibly work around the depth still around that and i think they're absolutely going to be able to do that too
1: yeah yeah they look like they're in a perfect spot for that and they have like competent pieces up and down the lineup so the kids don't have to do everything as long as one to two of the forwards turn the stars which um uh, I don't know. I think like Byfield's probably one of the best prospects in the world. All those other guys you mentioned are also quite good. They seem to have a pretty, as good a shot as anybody as being an elite team in next like five years from now or whatever.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Gabriel Valardi is the other uh, prospect I was thinking of, who's not really. I mean, he's 22 now. Um, I, I don't know if he's really a prospect at this point. He dealt with so many injuries, but then you know he's got 31 points in 71 NHL games. Uh, struggled this year and he was back down in the minors, but he's point per game in the AHL. So um yeah like i i think it's a a fair contract i think it was a three-year contract extension which seems fair enough like i, I thought he had a in okay offseason this past offseason you know you could argue maybe it was a year too soon but he went out and got philip to for six years at a pretty reasonable hit the term's a little rough but i uh, picked up victor arvidsson for like almost nothing and he's got two and a half years left at 4.25 so i thought that was a really good pickup and It'll just be interesting to see how he fills up the depth around this team because, yeah, I mean, if the prospects don't grow, you're screwed anyways. But if the prospects do take that step that you're you're expecting um, or even, you know, just into where they can lead the team they need some players around them, it's going to be interesting to see if they look like a team like, say, uh, I'm trying to think of a team that has some young guys just uh, – like Anaheim this year kind of or more like the Devils this year who are still really struggling.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So – um all right one more topic i had written down and it uh, was quick one too i just want to give a, a nod evgeny malkin returns to the pittsburgh penguins for the first time and uh, almost as a hatcher two goals and an assist last night uh the 35 year old did not look at a place this is going to be something to watch i am all here for an evgeny malkin redemption tour after the past couple years where he has just He has not been able to stay healthy. He played 33 games last year, 55 the year before. He had 74 points in those 55 games. Like, he was a beast when he did play. He just has not been able to stay healthy. So, um, fingers crossed, because if they get Malkin back, I don't know. If Malkin is, let's even say, just like the 20th best center in the league, 25th maybe even, and Crosby's playing like Crosby usually does, where do you put this team in cup threat rank?
1: If Malkin's back and good, they would be the second favorite in the Metro at very least. Mm-hmm. I would say, because like they they have legitimate depth this year out of nowhere. Evan Rodriguez is like a God for some reason. <laughs> um, yeah, like- it sucks that they're still in the East because honestly, they're still probably sixth but like
0: yeah i would say they're like that second tier kind of team
1: yeah yeah exactly like it's not outlandish to imagine them making a cup run assuming malcolm's good it's just that they'll need some uh some help Some yes a little more help than most
0: yeah maybe you can even argue third tier if you want to go like tampa colorado vegas are kind of in their own tier maybe you could even throw carolina in there too and then it's like toronto and florida are teams you need to see a run from before you believe it like i would i think on paper the talent for toronto is up in that first tier but if someone wants to say look at their playoff success to hold them back like a like to the fifth or sixth team or whatever and lump them in with like boston i would say that's probably fair enough yeah, And then so I th- I think Pittsburgh is like a, a step behind those teams yet, but but not like if Malkin is back, it's not aggressively far behind those teams.
1: No, no, not. They could, they're probably all like, they're the 40 in a 60, 40 series against some of the better teams in the league with good Malkin.
0: Yeah. Like with good Malkin, they're not favored against Tampa. They're not favored against Toronto. They're They might be – I'd say they're 50-50 with Florida. Yeah. And that will probably solely come down to is Bob having a good week or a bad week? Yeah. Um, I would say they're probably not favored against Boston.
1: No, I don't think so. Like we were saying, especially now with Tuka back, Boston has been so dominant defensively that I think things are going to go really well in the second half for them.
0: I agree. They're not favored against Carolina. No. They are favored against the Rangers, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And yeah, probably, uh, yeah. And actually, no question. They're definitely a better team than the Rangers.
0: And against the Caps, too. Although I think the Caps might be a little closer just because how many times have those two teams played. But on paper, I like this. If Malkin's good, I like this Penguins team more than the Capitals, too.
1: Oh, 100%. Um, they're, and then over the Caps, I think. And then on the
0: other side of things, like I know they wouldn't see these teams to the cup, but Colorado, no. Vegas, no. But then Anaheim, Edmonton, Calgary, LA, absolutely, they're better than. Minnesota, I could go either way on that. I would probably have them slight favorites against the Minnesota team.
1: I'd put them above Minnesota.
0: I would put them above St. Louis, although St. Louis is playing sneaky good as well. Yeah, Uh, they're
1: actually a bit of a PDO here, are they not?
0: Yeah, I think they are. Uh, Let me just pull a natural stat trick. Uh, And then Nashville, I would also have them favored against, too, because I don't think Nashville – Nashville kind of feels
1: like Rangers West to me. Yeah. Except for Pittsburgh east is just so top heavy
0: yeah like and and like the good thing for them though is i guess like if you can get third top three in the metro well honestly you probably want second or third in the metro you guarantee yourself two metro teams to get to the conference final
1: yeah true
0: Granted, i don't know how much easier route carolina is than toronto florida boston or tampa anyways but uh yeah i'm not really sure there I'm just looking right now. St. Louis. Okay, yeah, they're, they're mine. They're 22nd expected goals, so they are definitely playing a little above their heads uh, right now. I'm trying to look at Corsi four as well here. Try, no, this doesn't move. 21st. So, yeah, they're, they're uh, high 20s team. So, they're um, punching maybe a little above their weight right now, too. Granted, like, they're third in that division, which is kind of right where I had them. I thought that they would be third behind Winnipeg and second, not Nashville.
1: Yeah, that's the only thing that flips, right? It's just who they're behind kind of thing. Yeah. So um,
0: anything else you want to touch on? I don't think so. Only other thing I had that even uh, that came up this week was obviously the uh, Kodak uh, Kodak Black stuff at the Panthers game. <laughs> um, I don't even have anything to say about that. It's hilarious. It's did So have you seen the second angle of the video? I have not. Uh, so it is
1: that
0: a oh, uh, close-up? Yeah, so it turns out the chick is just uh, twerking on him. They're not actually having sex. Um, okay. That's
1: which, good, I think.
0: <laughs> I, I think it's more disappointing It's so funny. Like, it wouldn't have been, but it would have been. Like, it's just like, I can't believe. You know, I was just like, everyone else was like, oh, why is... Uh, you know, Kodak Black's at the uh, Panthers game. That's kind of cool. It's like, oh, why is he trending? It's just because he's there or whatever. It's like, no, no, it is not because he's there. <laughs> uh, so the that was um, quite the interesting night last night. Uh, everyone seemed to be in on those jokes and there's been a couple good ones. But uh, yeah, other than that, I don't really have anything to say. Other than maybe the fact that I was surprised to see, and I, I just didn't really think about it, but the All-Star game still going on this year? Really? Yeah, I mean, they named the coaches this week. It was, uh, let me pull this up. Uh, Shit, where is it? Um, Whoever took over for Q in Florida is the one.
1: That's a really weird pick.
0: Andrew Burnett. Um, I mean, the the Panthers are leading the division right now and didn't really miss a beat since Quenville left, but.
1: That's true. Uh, but just the fact Jared, that you even start the year as head coach.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jared Bednar for the Alves, uh, Brenda Moore for the Canes, and DeBoer for the, the Golden Knights. So I, I think all three of those, those make, make sense. a bunch of sense, right? So, uh, But yeah, they, they announced the coaches this year, uh, this week, and I tweeted this out, I said, it seems absolutely insane. They're still having an all-star game considering they've had to miss the Olympics and they've delayed like 50 games because of COVID. Um,
1: yeah, it seems really unnecessary. Like, who's like, we need to have the all-star game?
0: the league because they want the money from it simply put uh, that I, I know that's the only reason but it's like it's crazy that you know after all the games you've had to postpone you go yeah let's go get all of our best players put them in a bubble together or like in a thing together with a bunch of fans watching because the game's in vegas too which you know there's just going to be no restrictions full giver
1: oh yeah like i'm sure the players will get after it pretty good in vegas because it's vegas and all-star weekend
0: and even if, like, the, the thing is, too, the players that don't go, just go to, like, Cancun
1: or whatever for, like, four days. Yeah. <laughs> go somewhere where they're not going to get recognized and chill on a beach for a couple of days.
0: Yeah, so it's not like that's any safer, just going traveling to a different country or whatever. So,
1: um, I don't know. I, I
0: can't believe that's going on. But uh, I guess I'm not shocked because the league will, is desperate for revenue, especially with these game cancellations. There's no way they're going to miss a full weekend of, people buying tickets and stuff in Vegas for the all-star activities. So no, absolutely not.
1: Uh,
0: that's all I have, I think for the week. Um, thank you everyone for listening. As always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sens and stuff chase on Twitter at CM hockey 66. Uh, I actually finally did a sense based podcast uh, yesterday or came out today yesterday, I guess when people are listening to this, cause this will be out on Thursday um so if you want to check that out you can go to my twitter or you know you can find it wherever you're listening to this called the last word on Sense podcast uh you can go check out chase's you can check out my stuff at lastwordonhockey.com and you can check out chase's stuff at uh actionnetwork.com still getting used to that because their twitter name is Action Network HQ, and that throws me off but uh yeah, as always, you can find all our stuff there. Now we'll be back at you next week with uh, more stuff to talk about, I'm sure. And thank you everyone for listening. Stay safe and have a great week.